The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. The Sharon Kleiner Hour, Health, Environment, and the Power of Water. What you hear in the next hour could very well save your life. Now, here's your host, Sharon Kleiner. I want to invite you to listen to the Sharon Kleiner Hour, Power of Water. I'm Sharon Kleiner. Many years ago, nine years ago, when I began this show and calling it the Power of Water, the focus was to take on the world with the freshwater crisis that was at the time. Nine years later, we're in a worse freshwater crisis. The message is not getting out. We need the messengers. We need help. We need missionaries to go to the world and discuss what is happening, that the politicians, those that are socially involved in committees, are not completing the task of keeping a focus about what the planet, what it requires to stay alive. Each, every person is made up of water because the planet is water. Billions and billions of years ago, the water vapor was around the planet first before any life began. The climate changed in the vapor. The temperature would change. The droplet came down. When the droplets started coming down onto the earth, all of a sudden there began a soil. Then there began aquifers underneath the soil in, our, in, in the middle of our planet. Every aquifer had a different amount of water through the period of billions of years. Water vapor was here in the atmosphere billions of years before that cycle began. Earth began to recycle the water then. The nature of life began to to recycle. All of a sudden, along with the life that it developed, came human life. Your body is water, recycling with the water vapor in the air. Your body recycles every day. It evaporates with water. The moment you left your pocket, pocket of water from your mother and you entered into the air, Invisible water vapor in the air is what keeps you alive, is that water in the air. You're recycling all day long, every moment of the day. That baby was born, no two eyes alike, no two fingerprints alike, everything. You have so much difference. You even have a different look than somebody else. You're evaporating water all day long living with the water vapor in the air that's also evaporating water every, every breath of life, too. They're recycling, and that's what that sh- this show is about. And for to remind you every show that the brain is 80 to 85% water, connected to the eyes, 
the surface of your eye is 99% water. Your skin is 70 to 75% water. Blood, 50% water. Lungs, 75 to 80% water. Your heart that keeps pumping with what? Water, 75 to 80% water. Your bones, 20 to 25% water. Teeth, 8 to 10% water. Muscles, 70 to 75% water. We could go on. The body is operating each individual organ. Your teeth, your bones, your brain, your heart, your liver, your skin, your blood, your muscles. Your, all of these organs that you can think of, are the skin, are operating all on their own with each other, though. They all have a different balancing of water that you must maintain and slow down the evaporation for to be healthy. If you don't slow it down, you could dehydrate. Dehydration is a word that means you could become critically ill and die. But it's your evaporation process from birth that you're trying to slow that evaporation down. In the eyes, in the skin all through those organs. You must learn to breathe properly that moisture from the air into the nose and out through the mouth as breathing exercises to pull that in and out. Whenever you don't feel good, breathe in through the nose, let out through the mouth. Whenever you think there's a muscle cramp or you might be having a small amount of chest problems, breathe in, let it out through the mouth. That's pulling the oxygen in, pulling the oxygen toward the skin like a magnet. Did you know your body, body is like a battery? It's charging with the air you're living in, that atmosphere of water. That's your mechanical ability to keep up with living with it and living healthy. You must drink 8 to 10 glasses of water a day. That's why. I plead with you, make water your best friend to drink. That's why the mission we have with the problems of the freshwater crisis on the planet are serious. Our politicians and, let's say, com- committee com- uh, volunteer people that are out there running around getting paid or volunteered have done zip to protect the water sources of fresh water on the planet. This year, more than ever, it's at a crisis all over the planet. Everywhere. They call it drought. I call it deadly. Water is vital to your health and the future of those generations, life, eternity to come. I had a scientist tell me once, there might not be an eternity. We'll, we'll run out of water. But if we run out of water on the surface of the planet, the fresh water in the atmosphere is also going to diminish the water vapor in the atmosphere that keeps us alive. Do you know what desert conditions are? Lots of water. And that's what California is becoming. It has, they call it drought. They call it a water crisis. It's called becoming a desert. It is an, it's having serious problems. But the whole country of the United States is having the problems, and so is the rest of the world. 
California is not alone. The water is seriously in a very serious crisis. We need to start developing new technology, new inventions, new encouragement of entrepreneurship to protect the fresh water. Learn how to recycle. But you as a person operating with water, you need to understand that you cannot live without fresh water to drink, breathing properly, and a proper diet. Diet means you can slow that water loss down if you eat correctly. If you don't eat correctly, you're going to cause the evaporation to speed up. You'll notice it in a swelling in the body. You'll notice it in your fatigueness. You'll notice it with your eyes getting fatigued and glossy. You'll notice that when you're all of a sudden the body wanting to get more allergies and more common colds and, and maybe gain weight and all these symptoms are over-evaporation. You must learn to take the five things that I've talked about seriously. Breathe properly, in through the nose, out through the mouth. That's pulling the oxi- water oxygen into the body and let the toxin come out of the mouth. Drink a lot of water, 8 to 10 glasses. Try to drink 4 glasses all at once. Let it absorb like you're watering a plant. Then the other 4 to 6 glasses, you can make much more recreational, but don't add any juices to it. Drink them alone. Don't count juice or tea as your intake of water. It must be plain water. Three, your diet is vital. Make sure that when you're eating your fresh dark green vegetables and be careful on some of the meat and the proteins, they speed up evaporation because you cannot digest them as well. Always eat what you can digest easily. The the next one is moderate exercise. It's very important to have moderate exercise. If you're an athlete, learn in between your rest periods to gear down, harmonize the rhythm of your body to slow that evaporation down. Sleep is vital. The earth does it to pick up on what it needs. That's why there's more dew at night. When the sun goes down and the earth takes a rest, the darkness comes, that's a sleep. You need to also learn how to make that work for you. My secretary, Bonnie, came up with some good research this year, this week. And look up in uh, one that's called Search Water Problems. There's one in I- the Irish water question. It says, what Eurostats pro- uh, is the problem with Irish water? Look up that one for fun. The other one is uh, uh, about Earth's population water problems. Look up that one. The other one is the bottled water costs consumers and the environment more money. As you know, with the water crisis and the bottled water companies that are trying to get you your fresh water by the bottle now, and I don't know anybody who's not buying bottled water now by the cases forever, every year, all year round, buying bottled water. They're trying to slow them down and make it more expensive for you to buy? Check that one out. The other one is bottled water facts, bottled water problems. 
I look at it this way. You better support your bottled water companies because if you don't, you're going to be paying a premium to keep alive because without water to drink, you won't be healthy. Search water shortages in the United States of America. Last week, our population on the planet grew by 26 million, 5,636 people. Grew. So therefore, I think because body need, the bodies need to absorb water out of the air. The body needs to have food. The body has to grow by water. You're wearing clothes that are manufactured with water. You tell me something it isn't with water, but you need to drink water to be alive and and not have diseases. Have you ever stopped to notice that the countries that have the worst diseases do not have enough fresh water available? Think about that one. Today, we have Art Bernstein, who has a master's degree in anthropology and forestry. He's an author of the Art Bernstein's hiking books. He's author, naturalist, and he chose a subject with me today that he wanted to do, and I wanted to do it with him, called Medicine Lake Aquifers Could Ease California's Drought, described by himself and me, myself, on what is happening there with that Medicine Lake Aquifer up in the Mount Shasta area. There's some mysteries there. We're going to talk about it. Art's been writing books for over 25 years. Art is known as a naturalist. He's been with the Forest Service. He's been an anthropologist. Art is amazing. We will have him as our special guest today. We're going to listen to our sponsor, Biologic Aqua Research, Water Life Science Research Center. Signature product is Nature's Tears Eye Mist. It is the world's first and only supplementation to the eyes to replenish the water lost in the eye to slow down the problems of vision impairment that lead to blindness. The water is tissue culture graded water, laboratory water, tested for over 25 years, and it's a grade of water that has an absorption of manipulation to absorb. If you're wearing cosmetics, it doesn't even run the cosmetics. It absorbs with a mist, with just a mist. We'll listen to our sponsor, Nature's Tears Eye Mist, founded by Biologic Aqua Research, Water Life Science Research Center. We'll be back with Art in just a minute. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one Internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com Discover the secret of Nature's Tears Eye Mist, an entirely different approach to eye care without eye drops. When your tear film is dry, your eyes feel dry. Nature's Tears Eye Mist naturally supplements the tear film with Biologic Aqua Absolute Premium Standard Grade of pure, all-natural water. Nature's Tears Eye Mist, just a mist. All natural, safe, convenient, no preservatives. Nature's Tears Eye Mist can be purchased nationwide at selected eye care professionals and drugstores near you. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market.
listening to the Sharon Kleina Hour, Health, Environment, and the Power of Water. If you have a question or comment, please direct your email to SharonKleinaHour at Yahoo.com. That's SharonKleinaHour at Yahoo.com. Now, back to the program. Art, are you with us? I am with us. Well, thank you for bringing up this subject today. But before we begin the show, tell us a little bit about where were you, where were you raised? Where did you go to school? Uh, I grew up in Detroit, Michigan. Um, went to the University of Michigan and Mumford High School and uh, found a job in Oregon after I graduated. Uh, and you graduated with a master's in what? Forestry. Forestry. And you have, you have another degree in anthropology. I have a bachelor's in anthropology. Okay, you have a bachelor's in anthropology. Then you came to Oregon. What brought you to Oregon? Because I'm an Oregonian, and we met here in Oregon. Yeah, I met and married a woman who had always wanted to live in Oregon, and I had a brand-new forestry degree. And Oregon is the mm-hmm. forestry straight state. Mm-hmm. So we went to Oregon. Mm-hmm. Uh, I lived a couple years in Wairika, which is in northern California, just below the Oregon line. Mm-hmm. And that's where I got interested in all the big wildernesses in Northern California that no one ever goes to, like the Marble Mountains and Trinity Alps. Mm-hmm. And I've written books about them. Mm-hmm. Wow. So then then you moved to Grants Pass, where we met. Yeah. And for, you started writing... Uh, child Protective Services for five years. Then you started writing hiking books. Yes. What, why did you decide to write hike, hiking books? Because I like to hike, and there weren't any. Mm-hmm. I started out writing a, a book on trees, because I was teaching a tree class at Rowe Community College mm-hmm. on tree identification, and there's only like uh, 100 to 150 native trees in Oregon. When you, when you come right down to it, uh, Douglas fir and Ponderosa pine and blah, 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 and, uh, you know, uh, Madrone and alder and oaks and uh, 100 to 150 trees. You buy a West Coast tree guide, it's got 10,000 trees in it. So I wrote a little book on the trees of Oregon that just had those 150 trees in it mm-hmm. and sold a bunch of them. And uh, that did so well, I said, well, heck, you know, there's no good hiking books for the Southern Oregon. Mm-hmm. So then I wrote a book about hiking in Southern Oregon, and it did amazingly well for about 15 years. Now, there's a lot of mountain ranges in Southern Oregon, including the Northern California. How many are there? Uh, three ones. major systems and a whole bunch of ranges. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. like uh, the Cascades, the Siskiyou. The Siskiyou is part of a system called the Klamath System. And uh, the Klamath uh, system consists of the Siskiyous, the Trinity Alps, mm-hmm. the Marble Mountains, and the Mendocino Mountains. And then there's the Coast Ranges, which are entirely mm-hmm. different. Which one has the most unique uh, story? Siskiyous by far. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just, it has some of the oldest rock on the North American continent by the, mm-hmm. over by the Red Buttes. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a mixture of a whole bunch of uh, regions. You know, Pacific North.
Northwest region, the coastal region, the Sierra Nevada region, the California Valley, all come together in our area, mostly in the Siskiyous. Mm-hmm. And then there's the glacial relics. Mm-hmm. The, 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 the glaciers 10,000 years ago changed the ranges of a whole bunch of native plants and pushed them south. And then when the glaciers retreated, the ranges went all back north. Ah. But you find scattered little patches of tree species that don't belong there. Abby, huh? One of them is uh, is uh, Pacific silver fir, mm-hmm. which grows far to the north. And yet every once in a while in Northern California, you're just inside of a little glacial cirque, uh, you'll just find a little stand of these trees, you know, like 20 or 30 of them. And you know, there's mm-hmm. not another one for miles and miles and miles around. You know, I'm going to bring up the Kalamaopsis. You've taken me, we went, went there, and um, I'll never forget, you were so excited about showing me the rareness of the Kalamaopsis forest, which yes. is in Oregon, <laughs> but it's shared, isn't it shared with California also, those mountain uh, ranges? Yeah, but it all comes together in the Kalamaopsis like nowhere else. On the side uh, of Oregon? Kalamaopsis has areas what they call serpentineite or peridotite. Well, explain it, that to the audience, okay. what that means. The continents are basically made out of granite. The ocean is basically made out of uh, serpentineite. And as the continent moves, it scrapes up some of this stuff off the ocean bottom and it ends up on the land, usually in long strips parallel to the coast. Is this rock? You're talking about the rock. Rock, yeah. Um, Serpentineite, first of all, it weathers to a beautiful orangish tan, even though the rock itself is black. Um, Second of all, all kinds of things that normally grow everywhere else in the Pacific Northwest won't grow on serpentine. Mm. Douglas fir won't grow on serpentine. Grand fir won't grow in serpentine. Oaks won't grow in serpentine. And there's some strange so when you're little looking plants at that a will mountain, grow in serpentine. Like when you're looking at the Kalamaopsis or, or other areas where there's no trees in that spot, there could be a serpentine influence? Exactly, yeah. There's a little okay. place I can show you, a bunch of places. Right. You're driving up a mountain and you see off in the distance a hillside and half of it is a beautiful, lush forest. Douglas fir forest, and half of it is brush. Okay. That's not the logging, uh, that's not weather, that's serpentine. And that's probably up in the Hugo Mountain range. When you're looking up in some of those mountains, it's just like that. Uh, yeah, out of uh, Selma and Cave Junction, uh, that would be $8 road. No, I'm talking about Hugo. Up north of Grants Pass, there's another range there that you can look at those mountains and see. Yes, there there's is. There's never been any trees. Yeah. Yeah, but the the biggest serpentine formation is uh, Rough and Ready Creek area north of. Uh, right in Kalamopsis area. In the north of Cave Junction. Now, does that show that that's why there's such an enormous abundance of storage of water? Yeah, but you know, you ever been in Central Park? Pardon? Have you ever been in Central Park in New yes, York City? In New York in New York. Yeah. 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 Many Those times. Black rock outcroppings that you uh, you see here and there as you walk through Central Park, mm-hmm. that's serpentine. 
Okay. So, in case you're interested. So that's why New York has always had a lot of water. Water. Well, New York has a lot of good water. Yeah. No, just uh, it's an interesting. There's not much of it, but. No, they have really good water. Yeah. Yeah, they do. Uh, they got good water sources. Yeah. Hudson River. Yeah, they do. Their aquifers are very healthy. You ever seen those? Well, today you wanted to discuss the um, over. Uh, 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 tell the audience why you wanted to make this a subject today. The Medicine Lake Aquifer. First of all, because I've been to Medicine Lake many times and I've done and, a and, lot and now, of exploring all, in the area, and I our, once our, bought a. Uh, yes. Excuse me for a minute. Let's describe where Medicine Lake is first, so they can follow us. Where is that Medicine located? Medicine Lake is uh, north central California, right, just below the Oregon line. Okay. Uh, it's immediately east of Mount Shasta, which is fourteen thousand feet high. Mm-hmm. It's immediately south of the uh, Lower Klamath Wildlife Refuge, which goes right along the state line. Northern California. Yeah, it's uh, west of the town of Thule Lake. Mm-hmm. And it's north of, uh, well, anyway, that's, that's where it is. Immediately mm-hmm. east of Mount Shasta. Mm-hmm. Now, and what I've is been unique there about it? Many, many times. It's one now, of my what favorite is unique places about in the whole it? world. Yeah, There's you said all sorts of things around there to see that are absolutely fascinating. Mm-hmm. Um, and they have a lake called Medicine Lake. Officer. Medicine Why Lake. Why did they call it Medicine? <laughs> um, very good question. Yeah, it's a Native American that. holy site. Pardon? It's a Native American holy site. Oh, uh, okay. And I guess uh, a lot of medicine men uh, here. They they, they perform. Now, well, water from the beginning of time was used for the healing. So yes. that's maybe, yeah. yeah. Now, tell okay. us about what makes this unique, so different. Oh, you it's so rare. Uh, if you go through Lava Beds National Monument, which is also an extremely active recent volcanic area, and you look to the southwest, you will see Mount Shasta, big snow-covered peaks. Huge, 14,160 feet. If you look immediately east of that, from lava from the paved road through Lava Beds National Monument, you'll see this big dome, not nearly as high as Mount uh, Shasta. That dome is called the Medicine Lake Highland or the Medicine Lake Volcano. It is the biggest volcano in basal area in the United States. Um, so it's, it's the space that its co- that its base covers is like twice as big as the space that uh, Mount Shasta covers, mm-hmm. and it's like uh, twenty by thirty miles. It's just gigantic. Mm-hmm. Now, like Crater Lake, it has a collapsed top, mm-hmm. but the collapsed top isn't very big, uh, and in that collapsed top called a caldera, is Medicine Lake. And the collapse stop is, you know, as you drive through lava beds, you'll see a dirt road taken off that says Medicine Lake 11 miles. If you're ever in Lava Beds National Monument, do take that road, go to Medicine Lake. Anyway, 
A couple more things about Medicine Lake, and then we need to talk about Ajamawi Lava Springs. Okay. Okay. Uh, Medicine Lake, right next to Medicine Lake, is a and part of part of the uh, Medicine Lake volcano is something called Glass Mountain, and it's a huge. It's, I think it's the biggest obsidian flow in North America. Um, obsidian is this beautiful black volcanic glass. And uh, I have some in my den on my desk, but we don't mention that. But, but everybody I know has pieces of obsidian. That mm-hmm. There is so, I mean, you know, you're not allowed to take it, but there's so much there. You know. Every time I've been there, there's been people loading up backs of pickups, and this has been going on for like 100 years, mm-hmm. all day long, every day, except in huh. the winter. But they're not they supposed to. They haven't made a dent in this, right? I mean, you know. They are, they're not supposed to, but they're doing it. I know. You would never there know is no from walking along uh, Glass Mountain mm-hmm. that any of it had ever been removed. I'll be darned. There's so much of it. Now, when you're looking at that mountain, do you see it that way? Uh, although the base has all that rock like that? It goes um, all the way to the summit. Oh, my. Mm-hmm. It just poured out of the ground. And then there's uh, a lot of storage of water there? Yes, because um, it's one of the biggest untapped aquifers in California. It's not the biggest. Um, because there's so much space that um, the Medicine Volcano takes up. Volcanoes especially new volcanoes and this is these are this is a very new volcano new volcanoes are full of ash compacted ash they're full of lava tubes that are empty they're full of uh, what they call vesiculated basalt which has holes in it they have lots and lots of cracks and there's lots and lots of places for water to hide so you compare that to the High Sierra, which is mostly granite, if it rains on granite, it'll all run off. If it rains on a, a recent volcano, it'll all soak in. Isn't that fascinating? So there's considered to be, it's, it's possibly one of the biggest uh, aquifers or stored, stored underground water areas in California. My. Um, and you say untapped. They estimate, yeah, untapped, um, except for, you know, a couple of ranches or whatever. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, it's basically untapped. They have estimated that the water, the underground water in the Medicine Lake Aquifer would fill the 200 largest uh, reservoirs in California. Wow. All the way to the top. Is that why they're going to raise the... the is, do you think they're going to use that water to raise the Mount Shasta water lake? I, I don't Did you know. read about that? They're going to raise that up. Um, I read about it this weekend. Yeah, they're going to raise the level. In it's fact, the, uh, are, they're going to enlarge the lake to carry, hold more water. They're going to have to go and literally uh, uh, to go in and disturb the I-5 high freeway and move it enough to where they can enlarge that lake and hold enlarge more lake, water. Yeah. 
Do you think that's where they're getting their water? Um, yeah. Uh, I'll get to that in a minute. Okay. Uh, one of the three main feeders of the uh, Lake Shasta is the Pitt River. Mm-hmm. And most of that uh, aquifer, where it comes out of the, the, the Medicine Lake aquifer, most of that goes into the Pitt River. Mm-hmm. And then most of that ends up in Lake Shasta. Okay, we have to take our break, only break, and okay. don't go anywhere. And okay. uh, we'll come back in and discuss that Medicine Lake and those aquifers in Northern California. And then the lava springs. And, uh, yes. Yes. Don't it's go anywhere. Get in the lava we'll, be, we'll be right back. We'll listen okay. to our sponsor, Nature's Tears Eye Mist, with tissue culture-grade water. It's a laboratory water, all natural. The only product, trade secret, water like it in the world. Uh, it's been studied for over 25 years. It's, it provides the application of the first worldwide water for supplementing the surface of the eyes. It has 29, patent, 29 countries It has patents and around the world for dry eye and the problems of evaporation of water of the eye. We'll listen to our sponsor, Nature's Tears Eye Mist with Just a Mist, and we'll be back with Art Bernstein. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com. Discover the secret of Nature's Tears Eye Mist, an entirely different approach to eye care without eye drops. When your tear film is dry, your eyes feel dry. Nature's Tears Eye Mist naturally supplements the tear film with Biologic Aqua Absolute Premium Standard Grade of pure, all-natural water. Nature's Tears Eye Mist, just a mist. All-natural, safe, convenient, no preservatives. Nature's Tears Eye Mist can be purchased nationwide at selected eye care professionals and drugstores near you. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. Listening to the Sharon Kleina Hour, Health, Environment, and the Power of Water. If you have a question or comment, please direct your email to Sharon Kleina Hour at Yahoo.com. That's Sharon Kleina Hour at Yahoo.com. Now, back to the program. Art, uh, tell us about uh, now the subject of the Medicine Lake in Northern California. And you've been explaining to us about the unusual uniqueness of yeah. it. And then the abundance of water that's been untapped. And then I brought up that I had just read over the weekend that they're going to enlarge the Mount Shasta Lake, Shasta Lake there in that Northern California. And, and you probably had not read about it. And no. um, uh, the fact that maybe they're going to use some of that water from that aquifer because that's not that far from Mount Shasta Lake. And one of the rivers in the area is the major feeder into Lake Shasta. Mm-hmm. 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 So I'll get to it in a minute. Okay. Uh, we need to talk about, uh, okay, a couple of miles south 
Medicine Lake and most of the highland is on Forest Service land. Mm-hmm. A couple of miles south, uh, it turns into Bureau of Land Management land. Mm-hmm. Um, part of the Bureau of Land Management land, land, Bureau of Land Management land, is inside of the uh, Medicine Lake caldera where the lake is, but the lake is not on BLM land. Um, what kind it's of, an what, active what? volcanic area. Excuse me for it's a, got a lot a lake, of water. Art, excuse me for interrupting. When yes. a lake is not on Bureau of Land Management land, it's on private land. It's on Forest Service. Forest Service land. Modoc okay. National Forest. Okay, there we go. Okay. Um, BLM has leased out uh, to a company that does uh, geothermal electrical production um, to explore because there's a lot of water. And there's a lot of uh, volcanic, you know, heat underneath it. Perfect for um, geothermal. Uh, they pump up steam and they use it to run turbines and they make electricity. Uh, the problem is that to to get the hot water, they have to do hydrofracking, which is what they do to get the uh, gasoline in North Dakota. And to do and to the hydrofracking involves uh, pumping large quantities of hydrofluoric acid into the ground. And you get acid in a lake, it'll kill all the fish. So, uh, plus it's a scenic area, and it's way back in the woods, and it's remote, and you have to drive miles and miles and miles over dirt roads to get there. And there's Glass Mountain, and there's lakes, and there's burnt lava flow to the south, and there's all sorts of rare species uh, around Medicine Lake. You don't want a huge power plant in the middle of that. You know, it just seems to me like, I don't, know, I don't want a huge power plant in the middle of that. That'll just ruin the whole area as far as I'm concerned. And I think, I hope it's not necessary. I hope they can find uh, other ways to accomplish the same thing. And they're, doing, they're, they're studying that because of the geothermal side of it, of the water? Yeah. It's, it's, Explain uh, to our audience the geothermal this, that, the nature of the geothermal that's there. Okay, well, they, they just, uh, there's a volcanic magma chamber under the ground that, that heats everything, and, you know, every once in a while it explodes, and that's why it's a volcano. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's also, since there's so much water there, um, they can combine the heat and the water to pump steam out of the ground. And in fact, uh, and they use the steam to run turbines in the electrical plants, and the turbines will generate electricity. So it's a it's a it's a power source. Now the, the last uh, eruption in North America prior to the 1917 eruption at Mount Lassen was at Medicine Lake. Wow. Uh, 1857. Mm-hmm. It was not a full eruption. It was a big blast of uh, ash and gas. Mm-hmm. And it's not considered a full eruption, but it is the, the last eruptive event in North America outside of Alaska prior to, uh, to the Mount Lassen eruption in 1917. So it's active. It's, it's very active. And then just south is the burnt lava flow, which is like these 50-mile-long lava flows. The last activity there was about 250 years ago. So it's also very recent. Anyway, 
about 40 miles south of Medicine Lake um, is the northernmost California state park, and it's called Ajumawi Lava Springs State Park. A H J U M A W I Ajumawi. Uh, also a Native American holy site. Um, you cannot get the only way to get to Ajumawi Lava Springs is by boat, because mm-hmm. on one side has no roads. So you by you cross a lake, or it's, it's and then the river. springs all flow into this big lake. Okay. All big lake, and you go to the town of MacArthur, which is between Alturas and Lassen Park, and you drive back roads for a few miles, and you come to this lake. Mm-hmm. And if you have a boat, you can go across it, and there's all sorts of nice hiking trails and pretty stuff. Wow. Uh, in uh, inside the park. Now I'm, I'm going to ask you something. also four lava springs. I'm going to ask you something here. Okay. Um, the lake is it very large? Yes. And uh, what is the temperature of the water? Do you think? It's not. It's not warm. It's, it's you know. It's just, so it's, it's normal a, it's temperature. spring-fed cold water. It's spring-fed, yeah. yeah. So there's four lava springs. There's a big lava flow that ends in the state park. And some of it goes into the water, and there's areas where there's big, huge uh, gushes of water coming out of the lava and flowing into the lake. And there's four of these huge springs. And it's called Ajamawi Lava Springs. However... The lake is the headwaters of the Pitt River. Um, the lake produces several million cubic meters of water a year. This is extremely productive. Um, along the headwaters of the Pitt River and the Little Tule River and the other rivers in the area just just west of the uh, the, the park, are 12 more lava springs. So, Art, wait a minute. I'm going to ask, ask, so ask another question. Okay. All of those rivers, these springs from these aquifers are the headwaters of all those rivers. Yes. Okay. They all flow into the Pitt River. Okay. How many, how many, are, how many of those are flowing into the Pitt River? Uh, all of them. Pardon? All of them. How many? How many of those? Three, I think. Three, okay. The Thule River and the Little Thule River and the Pitt River. Okay. Um, anyway, there's a total of 12 springs, and together they're called the Fall River Springs. Mm-hmm. And I, I read in an article, and I find it difficult to believe, but the article said that it's the third largest collection of springs, natural springs in the world. Hmm. And you know, I find that difficult to believe. Maybe it's true. I don't know. Um, but if it is, uh, and they've traced, they've run traces through the water, and ninety percent of the water that comes out at Fall River Springs comes from the uh, Medicine Lake Aquifer. Mm. So that's the uh, primary outflow of the Medicine Lake Aquifer. Now, the interesting thing is that it takes 40 years. Pardon? Rain falls on Medicine Lake, 
sinks into the ground, comes out 40 years later at Ajumawi Lava Springs. There's 40 years. uh, I've lost you. (laughs) Okay. The rain falls on Medicine Lake. Uh Uh-huh. And the Medicine Lake Highlander snow uh, Mm -hmm. sinks into the ground. Absorbs. Yep. Slowly absorbs, slowly seeps through. It comes out at Ajumawi Lava Springs 40 years later. Wow. Mm -hmm. So the water flow at Ajumawi Lava Springs is based not on the current drought, but what on the weather was 40 years ago. Now, I'm going to ask you something there. With your background, you can, you can answer this as an authority. Is that the way most aquifers op, um, activate? Hydraulic? Uh, some yes, some no. Some of them... Uh, that many years of cycle? Some of them uh, are much faster. Um, now, when you say much faster, what is much fa- what would be What would be the much faster at time? I think the Crater Lake comes out, you know, like within a couple of years. Uh, at uh, what's it called? Uh, Boundary Springs. Boundary Springs. There at Boundary Springs is the source of the Rogue River, and it's the three huge springs on so the side of the So you think that recycles lake. itself every two years? Uh, don't quote me on that, but I think I think that one is pretty quick. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know there's a big hole that a lot of the water goes into in the, uh, mm-hmm. on the on the east side of Mount of uh, Crater Lake, the bowl there. There's a big mm-hmm. hole there they discovered recently, mm-hmm. and that's where most of the water goes into the ground. Now that is something for the audience to listen to and be educated. Now, yeah, we've talked about that. Now, uh, when you when the aqua, we know that. When Earth began, the absorption of waters came down and absorbed into the Earth and developed aquifers, lakes yes. in the middle yes. of the Earth, cave-like waters to store. And there's still, they say, no end of that water stored in those yeah. aquifers. Some um, begin to deplete, but other, there are others that still have a lot of water. Now, again, you know, you, um, now, you just said to us, with your background, which I have confidence that you know, with your background, that these aquifers can be influenced by 40 years of a cycle. And so, in other words, every yeah, moment... how long it day, takes to work from the mountaintop to the spring. Uh-huh. The water to seep through the, uh, the system. Mm-hmm. Now, in a lot of areas, uh, it's very interesting in, in that area... Um, the North Fork of the Sacramento River is bone dry, and that comes out of uh, the Klamath Mountains. The main fork of the Sacramento River has got tons of water in it. Now, we're talking about Northern California. Yes, and then the main fork uh, comes out of a spring uh, in the middle of downtown Mount Shasta City. So... The spring is dry. The main fork of the Sacramento is full of water. I mean, this, the spring in the park is full of water. The main fork of the Sacramento is full of water. The north fork of the Sacramento is bone dry and doesn't have a drop of water in it. So whatever is feeding the north fork of the Sacramento, that's dried up. And that... Uh, 
Art, I've got to ask dry you a up question. Because of the recent drought. This is going to be an interesting question. I don't think you're going to be able to answer it, but I'm going to ask you what you think. Why was California taking from Colorado all of their water all those years? Why didn't they use their own resources? Well, they do. They also, uh, you know, they built aqueducts all over the place. And, uh, right. Right. Well, we I don't know, know that the, form, the, east side the of former Sierra governor, the former the governor Brown, place to take water from. and his team of legislature built those uh, canals, yeah. aqueducts, all through California so they wouldn't make mistakes. They yeah, made there a were a lot of them before that. turned it off to the farmers and the aquifers below the fields of the farmers. See, I don't yeah. look at it like a lot of people do. I look at soil as a species that can become endangered and become sand like the Middle East became sand. And they're scared to death in the Middle East of extinction because they don't have any water. Uh, California. You know, pardon? um, 50 years ago or 40 years ago, they didn't have the recycling technology. Nowadays, uh, they can take used water and water from the toilet and water from showers and, uh, you know, that goes back into the sewers and they can recycle it so it's drinkable. Well, and you can learn to recycle with... 40 years ago, they couldn't do that. Well, you can learn to recycle with the aquifers. In other words, there can be a full recycling with the surface water, the aquifers, and all that's going on, doing yeah. like Singapore no, they were just has and of Orange surface County. Water, has. And they were just importing it. Uh... Southern California, Orange County has been is now recycling. Even Disneyland is recycling. And all they're still of their getting water. a large percentage of their water from the Colorado River. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So uh, yeah, it's. Uh... What is your opinion on? Uh, what is happening there in that area in Northern California. Do you believe that they're going to then take that water and distribute it, and now it looks like that might be part of the plan or where they're getting their water? Let me talk about something else because it illustrates uh, how things can look stupid in retrospect. Okay, I'll listen. Okay, our Um, listeners can hear that. Logging in the Pacific Northwest, uh, the, the big money tree is Douglas fir. And if you log in northern Oregon or in Washington, and you cut down all the trees, which is called clear cutting, they grow completely back. And you don't have to plant any trees or anything. It'll, you know, just... Uh, Within three or four years, you'll have a whole forest of, of baby trees growing. Now, if you try that in southern Oregon, where there's not so much rain and there's not so much overcast, and there's trees uh, that like a lot of sunlight that can crowd out the Douglas firs, you'll, it'll take 30 or 40 years to get a Douglas fir forest to restore. Mm-hmm. If, if you clear cut an, an acre of land in where we live, southern Oregon, that has Douglas firs growing on it, and just leave it be, it'll be thirty or forty years before you have that Douglas fir forest replaced mm-hmm. naturally. Mm-hmm. If you do it the same thing, in 
it'll take two or three years before that forest is replaced. I lost and yet, you. I'm sure. No, wait a minute. I, I well, think the uh, audience lost you. I did. So in all those years, the loggers in Southern Oregon never figured out that you couldn't log Douglas fir the same way in Southern Oregon as you do in Washington. So they would apply the same techniques, uh, clear cutting, and they would get different results. And somehow they never noticed. <laughs> you know? So, you know, you think, are they, were they stupid? No, I kind of look at it this way. No, no, no. I look at it this way. The economy depends upon business to develop the communities for money to move. People to have jobs. Yeah. For money to move. The loggers and the logging companies were in business to learn how to log, uh, cut the tree, haul it out with special trucks to the mills, invent the mills, bent technology there. It was up to the United States government forestry to understand with their scientists for the taxpayer how they can be in business together and they could be the, the scientist of how the trees could be planted and grow yeah. as soon as they're cut. In 1940, they didn't I have the technology to cut as many trees. Together. And they didn't I have believe, as many people. Yeah. So how many trees they cut really wasn't that important. It did, they couldn't possibly make a dent on the total number of trees. Now it can. Mm-hmm. So. Uh, Art, how long does it take with a, uh, like Jerry Barnes is a geneticist with pine cones. How long does it take with what they did? I've never asked Jerry when they were on for a, pine, for a seed to grow with the way they're doing it with pine cones. Do you know how long that takes? Uh, they're stimulating. It can grow so be a mature tree that's loggable? I don't know about loggable, but to grow up and be a tall tree, how it grows faster. Used to be 50 years. Now it's down to about 25 or 30 years. 25 or 30. Okay. Uh, some we only have a minute we plant, left. We planted uh, in the 70s are being logged mm-hmm. now. Art, we only have a minute left, so okay. I'm sure there's something you'd like to say. No, other than, uh, what's the name of the book? Hiking Southern Oregon by uh, Art Bernstein and Zachary Ness at your bookstores. Mm-hmm. Uh, great book, 90 or 100 Trails mm-hmm. in Southern Oregon. Now, I'm going to ask you real quickly, do you have people that buy it that are, don't live in the area? Yes. Mm-hmm. Lots of people. Mm-hmm. And I buy hiking guides from other areas, too, just mm-hmm. because I'm interested. I have one from... Uh, Hiking Trails of Western Nevada, which I just love, and I wish I were there, and I read it, and I, oh, now, my gosh. Uh, you're, uh, are you on Amazon? Yes. Okay, and, and many, are you in Barnes & Noble and many of the bookstores? Yep. Okay. So I buy, I buy books like that. Okay, well, thank you so much. You were right. It was a very fascinating education today to hear, and I'm yeah, glad thank you used the medicine lake area. Thank you. Always good we'll to talk, talk to you. very soon. We'll okay. talk later. Bye-bye. Thank you for being with us. Wow, I enjoyed that. Uh, all the, uh, now, I've been around Art, and I, you need to know, Art is my writer for 16 years. He's been with me that long, uh, every day, 
And um, what I, you know, can I sit there and we're in the research business of water life science, but uh, of writing that up every day with the scientists that I use throughout the world. But again, I learned so much today. I hope you did too. You know, I, the show just fascinates me. From all over the world, we've had scientists come in and we've gone into countries with this subject of water and life and health and, and all the nature of our planet to live. And, you know, I look at life. Patience is vital with each other to understand and not force another person unless they're trying to harm you. If they're trying to harm you, that's a different direction to go to protect yourself when people are trying to harm you. You have to look at it differently. But I say at the end of every show, embrace your life. Embrace somebody else's life too. It's a miracle. But Earth whispers, don't say goodbye. Because if you say goodbye, you might think you're taking it all with you. Don't. Leave something behind for all the generations of children to come to know you cared. This is a Water Life Science show, and I hope you have people listen and we can join together to be water advocates about what is important on this planet. I want to thank you for listening, and you be well. Thank you for listening. Join us next week for another edition of the Sharon Kleina Hour, Health, Environment, and the Power of Water, Mondays at 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel with an encore Wednesdays at 12 noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Remember to visit Sharon's website at SharonKleinaHour.com.